is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811. Hello, 877-381-3811. More of the corrupt Biden family. Before I get to that, 18 United States Code, Section 600.1. Grounds for appointing a special counsel. The Attorney General, or in cases in which the Attorney General is recused, the Acting Attorney General, will appoint a special counsel when he or she determines a criminal investigation of a person or matter is warranted, and A, that investigation or prosecution of that person or matter by a United States Attorney's Office, or litigating division of the Department of Justice would present a conflict of interest for the Department or other extraordinary circumstances, and B, that under the circumstances it would be in the public interest to appoint an outside special counsel to assume responsibility for the matter. Now, clearly, a threshold for a criminal investigation has been met in the case of Joe Biden, given the emails, the texts, given the laptop, and given additional information, such as the Treasury Department wire information. Clearly, that investigation. Uh, should not be handled by his own administration, a U.S. attorney whom he appoints, or an attorney general whom he appoints. So it meets that element of the law, and then finally that under the circumstances of being the public interest, for another to assume responsibility for the matter, there's simply no question about that. So this is what is supposed to direct, that is compel an attorney general to appoint a special counsel. And yet he refuses to do so in the Biden case, as more information is revealed. Now we have the Daily Mail. We talked about this the other day. Who is this mysterious third Biden family member to receive communist Chinese cash? Hallie Biden, it turns out. Hallie Biden is the widow of Bo Biden. She also had an affair with Hunter Biden, or they had a relationship, 
And then Hunter Biden cheated on her and had a relationship with Haley's sister. So you can see how sick this whole thing is. But let's go on. Haley Biden received a cut of $3 million in cash from China sent to an associate of Hunter. According to Republicans, released information from subpoenaed bank records. Now, let's just stop there a minute. Would that not be headline news today on every newspaper, on every news platform? Would that not be headline news even for the Today Show and Good Morning America? Would that not be headline news for the Yentas on The View? You damn well know it would be. Bo Biden's widow was identified today as the third member of the first family wrapped up in Representative James Comer's investigation and allegations they used their names to profit on business deals around the world. In a memo seen by the DailyMail.com, Haley received $35,000 in two transfers in March from Biden family associate John Rob Walker after he received a $3 million wire from the Chinese State Energy HK Limited, a firm affiliated with the CFC China Energy. That's the massive Communist Chinese Energy Front Group. Goes on, the White House, or excuse me, White House hit back in a blistering statement they called the focus on Hunter Biden's widow bizarre. Really? Well, I'm focused on Joe Biden. Is that bizarre, too? Haley, who had dinner with Joe in Delaware on Friday, was married to Bo until his cancer death in 2015 and then had a relationship with Hunter from March 2017 until 2019. The bombshell memo shows Republicans are expanding their investigation into whether the Biden family used their names to cash in on ventures across the globe. The GOP is also investigating what, if any, services Walker or family members provided to receive $3 million in cash from China. In the memo obtained by the DailyMail.com, Comer asked why Haley Biden publicly reported to work as a school counselor received money from Rob Walker, the account holder, who got the initial deposit from the Chinese firm. And then, of course... This guy, Jamie Raskin, who's a red, his father was a commie, his father set up the Institute for Policy Studies, a Soviet front group in many respects. He's been involved in every effort to take out Donald Trump on the impeachments and so forth, and now he's their go-to guy still. But Comer also took a shot at ranking member Jamie Raskin, who accused him of running a dragnet for personal financial information on Walker. He said ranking member Jamie Raskin mischaracterized the substance of the bank's records by referencing payments related to Mr. Walker's miscellaneous purchases, such as Papa John's and coffee at Starbucks, he wrote, referencing a blistering memo by Raskin blasting the probe as strictly political. See this guy, Raskin? He had no problem with going after Trump over nothing. But here we have something. And he accuses the Republicans of doing exactly what he did. Representative Raskin omitted material facts that Robinson Walker LLC received a $3 million wire from a Chinese company in March 2017, less than two months after Biden 
left the vice presidency. And that Mr. Walker then transferred over a million dollars to various banks associated with the Bidens in the following months. Jamie Raskin doesn't care about any of that. This is a big, big deal. And may I say the Bidens have been caught red-handed, communist red-handed. I just read to you what the appointment requirement for a special counsel is. How has that not been done yet? It's case after case after case. Fingerprints, DNA, everything all over the place. The White House has repeatedly denied President Biden knowing family members' business dealings. He frequent Now, isn't that he distanced himself from his own family? His brother, his daughter-in-law, his son. But they're innocent, you see. Joe Biden knows they're innocent, but he doesn't know anything about what they've been doing. He frequently continues, does Biden, to socialize with family members traveling with Natalie Biden, Haley and Bo's daughter, to the West Coast this week and dining at Haley Biden's home in Delaware last week. According to a poll report filed by a reporter traveling with the president, but they don't discuss anything. No, 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 no. White House spokes idiot Ian Sams accused Comer of cruelty, going after Biden's son and his late son's widow. Oh, I see. It's cruel, so don't do it. Don't look into it. The transactions cited by Comer are from 2017 after Bo's death. After Bo's death. This poor Bo Biden has been used by his family and their lawyers to try and conceal all their filthy, lousy corruption. It's unbelievable. After Bo's death, when Haley Biden and Hunter Biden were romantically involved, that's from 2017, what they're looking at in part. The memo also references Biden associate James Giller. After the Chinese company wired Robertson Walker the $3 million, the Biden family received approximately $1,065,692 over a three-month period in different bank accounts. All right, let's stop there a second. What in the hell is the Biden family doing getting $3 million from a communist Chinese front group? Let's just stop. And then they get money at the Penn Biden Center in Washington, D.C. to pay him $900,000 a year for sitting on his ass and picking his nose. Now think about that. More Chinese money. What the hell's going on here? And over there at the Department of Injustice, they're all blind to it. They don't want to know. They don't want to hear. They don't want to see. It's unbelievable. And yet, wait till you hear what the rogue... Jack the Ripper Smith is doing in a moment. Comer says he issued the subpoena on February 27. And he says it was in pursuit of legislative solutions, a statement that recalls the court fight over Democrat efforts to get Trump's tax returns. Well, they got them and there was nothing. And so they're looking at these bank statements. They're looking at these wire transfers that you can imagine. The Democrats had no interest in looking at anything if it didn't have Trump related to it. So there's real fire here, not just smoke. There is real fire here. Where's Woodward? Where's Bernstein? Where's Haberman? 
Where is Jeremy and his Peters? Where are the New York Times and the Washington Post and NBC and MSNBC? Where's CNN and ABC and CBS? Where are all the intrepid investigative reporters that are overpaid, slovenly buffoons? Where are they? Don't they want a breaking story? And where the hell is Christopher Ray and Meritless Garland? Aren't they interested in finding out what took place? Apparently not. Maybe we can get a local Republican DA to dig into this. A local Republican DA. Maybe we can get one of them to dig into this. A Republican Attorney General. Problem is they're not in Delaware. Or Washington, D.C. Nonetheless, maybe there's one out there. Because this is heavy-duty cover-up mode. Heavy-duty cover-up mode. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. It's just amazing how dishonest the Democrat Party is. The whole damn institution. Whether it comes to their lies about entitlements, their lies about inflation, their lies about the border, their racism and racialism. It's just incredible. And how they circle the wagons for this mashed potato brain. I think the truth is that Joe Biden and his family are the dirtiest family to ever occupy the White House. I think it's worse than Harding and the people who surrounded President Grant. This is a scandal of massive proportions. That the man who occupies the Oval Office, by hook or by crook, has so many financial ties, as does his family, to the communist Chinese regime. And that the entire federal law enforcement infrastructure defends him or ignores him. While trying to take out the leading, so far, Republican for the nomination for president. A former president. 
who has literally four Democrat prosecutors, radicals all, from the Attorney General in New York, to the DA in Manhattan, to the DA in Atlanta, to the phony special prosecutor in Washington, D.C., under the tutelage of the Democrat Attorney General appointed by Biden. Looking over every stone, every staffer, every family member, every business deal, every tax filing, millions of pages of documents, and nothing on Joe Biden. There's an entire laptop in the possession of the FBI and the Department of Justice. They won't look. Tony Bobolinsky went and spoke to the FBI for four or five hours, laid out the case. They never called him back. Goons from the Stasi go out after Project Veritas and our friend James O'Keefe hunting down a diary from Biden's daughter. Since when does the FBI do that? Just incredible. And of course, the disparate treatment when it comes to documents, classified information. They're not yanking in people all around Biden from his Senate days to his vice presidential days to his presidential days. Advisors, secretaries, janitors, anybody who heard or saw anything to try and make some phony case. But they are with Trump. They are with Trump. It is incredible to me what this crooked family has gotten away with. And Joe Biden has been on the government dole for his entire life, except for two years, in which all of a sudden he earned $17 million, including money laundered through various institutions from the communist Chinese to him, money laundered through family members, money deposited in different banks, money spent on his home and so forth. No novel legal theory necessary here, ladies and gentlemen. Bought and paid for I'll be right back. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. Mark Levin, radio's hell-raising intellectual. Call now, 877-381-3811. All right. This Sunday on Life, Liberty, and Levin, 
We're going to have Charles Payne, and we're going to have Joe Takapina. Joe is President Trump's lawyer in Manhattan, in that matter, and one of the great defense lawyers. And, of course, Charles Payne is one of the brilliant economic analysts. And we're going to have a very strong opening statement by me. Let me be very clear about something. I don't always agree with people who I like. I don't always agree with people who I might support. I don't always agree with people who I will support. It's nature of the beast. I don't put on a uniform and wear a special hat and just march behind politicians. I don't do it. I never have and I never will. Obviously, some politicians to me are more important than others, are better than others. The golden era of great statesmen was when you had Thatcher as Prime Minister of England, you had Helmut Kohl as Chancellor of Germany, you had Ronald Reagan as President of the United States, and in my view, you had John Paul II as Pope in Rome. And they accomplished enormous things for freedom and security. They weren't afraid, they were brave. Thatcher took on her establishment. Cole took on his establishment. Reagan took on our establishment. And John Paul II was a truly unique pope in so many ways. And helped take on the communists. And there was success all over the world. Africa, Central and South America, and of course Europe. I don't see such a coalition today. I don't see it in Rome. I don't see it in Germany. I don't see it in Britain. And with Biden, of course, I don't see it in the United States. I disagree with my dear friend, Donald Trump, on some of his foreign policy positions. But I agree with a whole lot of them, too, because I don't think he is as described by so many. I think he's a very clever individual in the way that he deals with foreign leaders. And people try and project onto themselves what Donald Trump is thinking while behind the scenes they're trashing the man. And I consider the governor of Florida a dear friend, a family friend. I do not agree with him on Ukraine. In fact, I was surprised by the statement. I've read it over and over and over again. People say, read it very carefully. I have now for the 20th time. But I still think he'd make a great president, as would Trump again. But it doesn't mean I have to agree with him all the time. And I think one of the things that bothered me about all these statements in response to Tucker Carlson was almost none of those who take the position of these so-called populists can even define what a populist is. 
and most of all, don't define their foreign policy. I'm an American firster. What makes them an American firster? Pacifism is not an American firster. The enemy is on the move. And yes, you can look at history and see situations. They're not perfectly parallel, but they're close enough. And history is taking down every one of their words and every one of their views. And people will look back on it and decide whether they were right or wrong, whether they were courageous or not, whether they were statesmen or not. And for some of these Republicans, I'll be damned if I can even understand what their foreign policy doctrine is. Because I don't get it. And neither do they. Neither do they. Foreign policy is not about democracy. We're not a democracy. We're republic. We're not a democracy. We don't always do what the people say they want us to do. Because sometimes the people, as the founders said, act as a faction. Or there's a temporary majority view. And so we, we go with a republic, not a parliamentary system. And this seems to be misunderstood by a lot of people. Seem to be very confused by this. Shouldn't be. And I love being lectured by people who went to private schools and Ivy League schools. Probably never met a blue-collar worker through much of their early life. And they claim to be part of we the people, the working class, while everybody else is an elitist. Am I an elitist? I went to Temple University, a public school, a college. I admit after 11th grade, but I went there nonetheless. And I went to Temple University Law School. Do you want to know why I went there? Because we couldn't afford anything else. And it didn't matter to me anyway. Just give me my damn law degree and I'll go out and I'll make a difference. Wouldn't have mattered if I went to Harvard or Yale or any of the others. Look what they caught coming out of Stanford, for God's sakes. You are what you put into life. Buildings, they don't matter. Names on buildings, they don't matter. What you decide to do with yourself is what matters. My family didn't have a ton of money. Some of these people who say they're of the people and attack elites, they have a lot of money. And they always had a lot of money. I don't begrudge it in the least, but don't be a hypocrite. But Mark, you haven't fought any wars. No, but many in the family have. And there are people who have fought in wars, like Tom Cotton, Michael Gallagher, Mike Gallagher. Michael Waltz, Dan Crenshaw, who have fought, who agree with me. And there are other people who fought who don't agree with me. So why keep using that bromide? 
I don't remember Abraham Lincoln being some great combat veteran either. If not our greatest president, certainly one of them. So the Sunday show is going to be a big show. I hope you'll watch it. We've got tremendous guests. And as I tell you here, you folks in this audience, you're the smartest audience out there. Why? Because I don't do the talk show tap dance here. I just don't. Sometimes I say things that annoy you and frustrate you. Sometimes I say things where you get up and clap. It is what it is. But I remember what the great Rush Limbaugh said to me once. And he and I were best friends. And I would do anything for him and vice versa. And he like Hannity, were my mentors in radio. F. Lee Levin, the director of his legal division, goes way back. Boy, time flies. And he said this, Mark, never underestimate the intelligence of your audience. Never, ever. Never underestimate the knowledge of your audience. Never, ever. There will be flash, flashes in the pan as hosts. He's talking about TV and radio. There'll be hot commodities for three, five, seven years. But he said, I've been in this business for decades. Not because I'm the most brilliant man on the face of the earth. Not because I'm the most entertaining man on the face of the earth. Not because I'm the most clever man on the face of the earth but because I've never underestimated the intelligence of my audience. I never played them. Sometimes I upset them. Most of the time I didn't. But you have to be yourself. I've never forgotten that. And yet I see more and more people not just in radio and TV or columnists who don't get it. They don't respect you. They don't respect you. And they don't have the guts to stand up. And to say what they know is right. That's the truth. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? They'll 
they'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. Many of these pro-Putin pacifists, and they're pro-Putin because they never attack Putin. Not in their written statements, not in their own words, not in their argumentation. Also attacked Donald Trump when he took out Soleimani, the head of the Iranian Quds Force. The Iranian Quds Force. Now what did the Iranian Quds Force do? You watch TV, you see Tunnel to Towers, you see all these other efforts to help people who have lost limbs, their eyesight, head injuries, and so forth? Well, many of those people that you see, not all, many, on the receiving end, the receiving end of Soleimani's terror against American forces. Trump had enough of it, he took him out with a drone attack. Trump was attacked by these same ideologues who want you to believe that they represent you. And then they try and create the the battle between the D.C. rhinos. The New York Times tries to pull this. And so they're constantly quoting Lindsey Graham. Or Joe Scarborough, who's a moron. You know, you can be a traditionalist. This isn't a battle between the establishment warmongers and the prescient we the people. This is a battle between traditional conservatives and phony populists. They apparently don't even understand what populism means. Starting in the late 1800s, hijacked by the socialists, Woodrow Wilson, and the rest. They claim to represent the people. How so? On what basis? Well, did you see the polls? The polls? We're a constitutional republic. The polls? Seriously? No, I didn't see the polls. But speaking of the polls... I want to tell you about a breaking story involving them. Because now we're supposed to hate the Poles, you see. Because they're sending jets to Ukraine. They are aggressively trying to help Ukraine against the Russians. So now we're going to be against Poland, you see. That's how it works. Shouldn't have taken out Soleimani because it might provoke the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. That's what they said. Go ahead and Google it. It's all there. How stupid, how wrong were they? And by the way, Iran didn't do a damn thing because they feared Trump. We're the warmongers. And by the way, our industries, the patriotic industries that provide the armaments for our men and women in uniform, we're supposed to hate them too because they're profiteers. 
No, they're trying to meet the orders that are given to them to protect our men and women in uniform and our country. You know, the same businesses that the communist Chinese, the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran, and the Russians are stealing our technology from. Americans work at those companies. You know, my friends, what, only other companies should make profits? Only solar energy companies should make profits? Well, how the hell are they supposed to exist? They even sound like Marxists. This is breaking news literally six minutes ago, give or take. No, an hour ago. Poland says it foiled a Russian spying ring seeking to sabotage arms shipments to Ukraine. Warsaw, Poland, on Thursday, New York Times said it had detained nine foreigners accused of spying for Russia and preparing sabotage operations to disrupt the flow of Western arms in the neighboring Ukraine. The presence in Poland, a member of NATO, of a Russian spy ring intent on damaging Polish infrastructure used to transport weapons and ammunition to Ukraine would signal a risky escalation by Moscow, which has so far avoided striking at targets inside alliance territory. Now... If you're part of this phony America first crowd, which is an America last crowd, they'll blame America for this. Not Putin. America. It's our fault. Now, you do not have to support Joe Biden. You do not have to support Joe Biden. And then like Russia over Ukraine. That's not how this works. Joe Biden's an idiot. He's destroying America. He's destroying every country he touches. This has nothing to do with that. All right, I'm going to move on. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Janet Yellen testifying today. Another incompetent over there at the Treasury Department. She might have been the first woman treasurer. I don't really know. I don't really care, but I suspect maybe that's what was going on on that selection. Uh, May I say the word woman? I mean, it's not like I'm going to the Supreme Court or anything. And she's questioned by Bill Cassidy, Louisiana. Typically, he's a a wet noodle, but does pretty well here. And you see, the trustees of Social Security say, if we don't fix this thing, if we don't fix this thing, the beneficiaries of Social Security are going to see their checks cut by, on average, 24%. And the Social Security tax increased by at least 100%. 
And so Joe Biden has a plan, none. Nothing. Do Republicans have a plan? Actually, Republicans have had a plan for 20 years. And that plan is basically those people who are on Social Security are grandfathered in. People who are 55 to 65 are grandfathered in when they turn 65. Uh, But everybody else, unfortunately, they're going to have to see the age increase. That is to 70. Used to be they said 67, but now, now it has to be around 70. And that's how you fix it without screwing the people who've been paying into it and are about to get Social Security or who are on Social Security. So Cassidy is asking Yellen about this. Cut three, go. Does the president know personally anybody who is dependent upon Social Security and if their benefits are cut by 24 percent, they will slide into poverty? It's hard for you to know. Uh, so I'll give you a sure pass that on that. The president knows many people on Social Security. Then why doesn't the president care? He cares very deeply. Then where is his plan? He stands ready to work with Congress. That's a lie, address. because when a bipartisan group of senators has repeatedly requested to meet with him about social, so that somebody who is a current beneficiary will not see her benefits cut by 24%, we have not heard anything on our request. And we've made multiple requests to meet with the president. He's very, very busy. Went to California. He's busy bailing out multimillionaire and billionaire Democrats from the Silicon Valley Bank. He doesn't have time for Palestine, Ohio. A real look at the border rather than a Potemkin village they walked him through. He just doesn't have time to meet with you guys. You don't understand, Cassidy. He's got a whole bunch of priorities. Now, Joe Biden is a vile, nasty, street politician. That's what he is. He's a liar through and through. You've heard it over and over again. People now laugh. You shouldn't laugh. Because he lies about policy. He lies about Social Security and Medicare. He lies about foreign policy. He lies about the Supreme Court. He lies about democracy is going to die if you don't vote for me and the Democrats. Right? Isn't that his line? The MAGA Republicans and the maggot Democrats. Come on, Republicans, get with it. Now, here's Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma at a hearing today, again, with Yellen. Cut for go. What is your plan to keep large depositors from moving their funds out of community banks into the big banks? We have seen the mergers of banks over the past decade. I'm concerned you're about to accelerate that by encouraging anyone who has a large deposit in a community bank to say, we're not going to make you whole. But if you go to one of our preferred banks, we will make you whole at that point. Um, Look, I mean, we're that's certainly not something that we're encouraging. That is happening right now. That is happening because depositors are concerned about the bank failures that have happened and whether or not other banks could also 
Um, no, it, it, it's happening and because it's, you're fully insured no matter what the amount is if you're in a big bank. You're not fully insured if you're in a community bank. Well, you're not fully insured. And you, you big, were at signature, the, and the it, big, was, it just barely met that threshold. You were at signature. Well, we felt that there was oh a serious gosh. risk of contagion that could have brought down and triggered runs on many banks. Oh, good Lord, help us. Help this country, please, Lord. We need help. And now we have Mike Crapo. Cut five, go. Clearly, the downfall of the bank, the reason it had to be closed, was that it couldn't meet depositors' um, depositors' withdrawal requests. Because their capital was being uh, was losing value, and they were not able to access their capital, and and I attribute that to the interest rate hikes that we are seeing in in the face of the inflation. Am I wrong in that? Now stop. I talked about this immediately, and no, you're absolutely right about this, among other things. When you're loaning out money at a lower percentage rate than the money costs you, you're going to go broke. You're going to go broke. So the Fed is having to raise interest rates in order to counter inflation. The Fed has been trying to push the country into a recession in order to slow the printing of money and the spending of money. That is the high prices. Not that you're spending money, spending and spending. It's that the prices are going up. And that's why when Joe Biden proposes a $7 trillion budget and $5 trillion in tax increases, everything the Fed is doing is pointless. Because Joe Biden is pushing us as aggressively as he can toward a depression. That's what he's doing. And then what will they do? Well, look at the pandemic. That was a dry run on tyranny, on how that works. Or look at the Depression when FDR was president. Look at the things he did without constitutional authority that prolonged the Depression. It made it more difficult for men and women who actually work. Joe Biden thinks he's Franklin Roosevelt, but he's more Herbert Hoover. In fact, he's more James Buchanan. You want to know the truth? Go ahead. Understanding is that the bank, um, to meet liquidity needs, had to sell um, assets that it expected to hold to maturity. And um, given well, that's the what banks tend to do. You know, they lend money and hold assets till maturity. It's how they make money. There's like a threshold. Maybe they're. They're getting money at 4 or 5% from the Fed, and they're loaning money out at 6 7%, just as an example. When the Fed is increasing interest rates, and they're loaning money at a higher rate than when they, excuse me, they're, they're getting money from the Fed at a higher rate than what they're loaning it out for, uh, nobody can make money like that. Just remember what banks do. They handle money. That's all they do. And this particular bank was focused on all that woke crap that I talked to you about, ESG, DEI, solar, wind, batteries. It was a Democrat Party bank. That's what it was. The donors on the board, the agendas, and it went broke. 
And that's what's going to happen to the whole country. This keeps up. Now, here she is with Mike Crapo. Cut five, go. Increases that have occurred since those assets, including treasuries and government-backed security, mortgage-backed securities, they had lost market value. All right, yeah, and we're on the same page on that then. Mm-hmm. That's it. All right, they're on the same page. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Did you know Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year when you switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? That's right. Save $900 a year on your wireless bill and still enjoy ultra-fast 5G service. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a fortune to woke corporations like Verizon, and AT&T or T-Mobile every month, cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company, and then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy, supporting a company that is veteran-owned and shares your values and that has you covered with a money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N podcast, Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You know, I've known Charlie Kirk for several years now. I know him to be an upstanding young man, intelligent ethical, honorable, and he says very, very smart things. And I consider him a good friend, Charlie Kirk, Turning Point USA. How are you, sir? I'm great, Mark. Thank you so much. That's very kind of you. Honored to be here. Thank you. Well, it is true, and uh, you were almost assaulted by a mob the other day, and I'd like you to explain to the audience what took place. Yeah, that's correct. It's an extraordinary story, Mark. So we had a Turning Point USA chapter event at University of California, Davis, where a violent Antifa mob tried to gain access into our event and into the building, and they smashed windows and vandalized the building, assaulted a police officer, hurling projectiles at our attendees. Thankfully, nobody was hospitalized, praise God. But the real story behind this, Mark, which is extraordinary, is how the chancellor of the university incited this mob. Earlier in the day, the UC chancellor, Gary May, who earns over $800,000 a year, uh, made a video saying Charlie Kirk is coming to campus, who's a spreader of misinformation and hate. Sound familiar? I always use the same words. But then he said something that was materially and factually untrue. He said Charlie Kirk says that violence should be committed against trans people. Now, that is an, that is an outright lie, Mark. I've never said that. I don't believe it. In fact, it is the opposite of my beliefs. It is a 180-degree Orwellian lie. It originated from an Internet rumor that earlier in, before his video, the Sacramento Bee published where they said in their newspaper, quote, Charlie Kirk calls for the lynching of trans people. And this is all a lie. It's unsubstantiated. There's no evidence. Of course, I would never say something like that. But guess what? It's before the truth could come out, the lie spread into a mob. And somebody could have really got seriously hurt. And so... Thankfully, I'm okay. Thankfully, our students are okay. It made national headlines at this university in Davis, California. But the lesson here is that the adults, the chancellor, 
the people that should know better, that should act ethically with honesty, went out of their way to lie about me, and it created a mob. You know, Charlie Kirk, even though they apologized, the damage was done. Yes. And not that I'm a uh, supporter of slip-and-fall ambulance chasers, but in this case, where violence ensued, where I, everyone saw it on the video, seems to me you ought to at least consult somebody who knows what they're doing when it comes to libel, no? Yeah, and that's what we're doing. And again, I'm, I, don't like, I don't like going to the courts just out of a gut reaction. I'm like you, Mark. I, I just try to do my business and you know, try to get young people to love America. That's, my, that's why I do what I do. But I think we might pursue legal action here, first against the Sacramento Bee, because we sent them, they had 12 hours to try to correct the article, and they decided not to. And then they had a reporter at the actual riot itself that was live tweeting, reinforcing the lie, saying the anger here on the ground is because Charlie Kirk wants to have violence against trans people. That's a material falsehood. And so, yes, they have apologized. But are they apologizing because they think they were wrong? Or are they apologizing because they got caught? And I think they're apologizing because they got caught and they realize that a lot of damage was done because of their dishonesty and their deceit. And if you listen to the UC Chancellor's video, again, someone who's in a leadership position of a major university in America, he was almost encouraging the mob. He was almost stoking it. You watch it, it's a three-and-a-half-minute video. It's extraordinary, where he mm-hmm. says, I know a lot of people are going to be very upset. Uh, There's nothing we can do to stop the speaker, but it would be very powerful. Quote, if Charlie Kirk ended up speaking to an empty room tonight, he was cheering for the mob to try to prevent people from entering the building. And so there's there's First Amendment violations here. There's campus speech neutrality precedent that was probably violated here because as university president, he's not allowed to pick sides of what speakers he likes and doesn't like. And then, of course, there's libel and defamation here. And has he uh, circled back and said anything to you? He has been a silent coward, and I think that's a prerequisite to be in charge of a California university. Or most, for that matter. Not all, but most. And isn't this a problem all along, I mean, all around the country? That is, the fact is that if you're a conservative, you are not welcome on the vast majority of college campuses, and you take your safety and the safety of people who want to listen to you uh, into your hands and their hands. That's exactly right, and it shouldn't have to be that way. You know, some people were kind of being a smart aleck, and they've asked me on social media or emailing me, Charlie, why do you go to these liberal places? Aren't you just, you know, trying to do them up? And I say, boy, what a silly question. You should be able to go to an American college campus, regardless of where it is, to be able to talk about liberty and freedom. Give me a break. I mean, we're now in a country where you're not allowed to go set foot on a college campus because you're a conservative. And look what happened at Stanford. I know you've been covering that, Mark. It's an extraordinary story. The federal judge that was heckled by not just the law students, but the dean of diversity, equity, inclusion, or whatever the title is there. And look, I wrote the book, The College Scam. You were super generous, uh, Mark, in the promotion of that last summer. Thank you. And I hate to say that the argument we laid out in the book is exactly right, that these campuses have become islands of totalitarianism, that the greatest generation 70 or 80 years ago fought to Marxism, Bought these terrible ideas now to now only see their grandkids go to the universities and embrace them and go into debt to try to believe them. Now, Charlie Kirk, what about a group like Media Matters that runs very provocative headlines that do not often comport with the substance of what somebody says? They take it out of uh, context, they cherry pick. And when you read these headlines that are intended to get hits and I guess to please their radical left donors, 
most of whom are, uh, are, are very wealthy Democrats. That encourages, it seems to me, trouble too, no? Oh, without a doubt. And I mean, I deal with media matters almost every day, and you do too. And it is splicing and taking things out of context. I mean, look, I'm on radio. Mark, you're the great one. You, you've done it better than anybody else. But you know that when you get a little fired up, if you take an isolated five-second segment, then you actually might be able to completely misrepresent the essence Absolutely. or the spirit of what you're trying to communicate. And they do this intentionally to try to create this almost cycle of outrage. And what we saw this week at Davis at this Turning Point USA event is that the casualty of that can actually be physical violence, is that when the, these lies are not innocent, they're not just annoying, they don't just slander you and people think negatively, negatively, people can actually get hurt in a very serious way. And look, I, our premise at Turning Point USA and why I do what I do is to try to go to the places where I'm not always welcome, where people do not always agree with me, as a reminder to the radical left that they don't run this country, and that I think we win when we go to the places where we are unpopular and not always in the majority opinion, and we show that we're not afraid of their mob violence. It seems to me, Charlie Kirk, we have more options in Republican states than Democrat states. So Republican legislatures pour an awful lot of tax dollars into these public universities and colleges, even mm -hmm. some of them that claim to be private. Seems to me if they're not going to allow everybody to speak on campus in a safe environment, then their budgets ought to be slashed, don't you think? I completely agree. There is a place for robust higher learning. Look what Hillsdale has done. Every red state should learn from Hillsdale. They should send their university chancellors there and say, you either do the Hillsdale model where you pursue big ideas or your entire universities are going to be defunded. No more feminist studies, no more North African lesbian poetry, none of that stuff. Taxpayers are going to hmm. fund the pursuit of truth, virtue, and goodness pro-American, pro-liberty, pro-constitution, and if not, you should not get a red cent. Ten seconds. There. If people want to learn more, where do they go? TPUSA.com. Support Turning Point USA. We're on the front line. Fight for liberty on campus every day. All right, folks. Did you know Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year when you switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? That's right. Save $900 a year on your wireless bill and still enjoy ultra-fast 5G service. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a fortune to woke corporations like Verizon, and AT&T or T-Mobile every month, cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company, and then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy, supporting a company that is veteran-owned and shares your values and that has you covered with a money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N podcast, Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The Mark Levin Show, the pool feed for the conservative media. Dive in now, 877-381-3811. That's correct. That's a collectamente. Charlie Kirk. Charlie's not alone, but that was a violent assault. And you have the chancellor of a university. And then at Stanford, at Stanford Law School, you have the director of diversity, equity, and 
inclusivity. Who didn't want any diversity, equity, or inclusivity when a federal judge from the Fifth Circuit was invited to speak? Now, it seems to me what you see on college campuses is what you see in the general population shortly thereafter. The American Marxist movement was born on the college campus, just like the New Left movement. We talked the other day about Leninism versus Marxism. Leninism is a form of Marxism, but Leninism is a top-down Marxism. That is, Lenin didn't believe revolutions would come naturally. He believed they had to be caused. And of course, the Russian Revolution was not a majoritarian revolution. Most of them aren't. Lenin had gone to college. He was a radical. And uh, there were different segments within the Marxist revolutionary movement in the Russian Revolution. And even after the Russian Revolution, uh, there were still battles between the Trotskyites, who believed in bottom-up, middle-out, to quote some dumb you-know-what, I don't, I don't remember who it is, oh, Biden. Stalin believed in top-down, the Iron Fist. Lenin believed in top-down, the Iron Fist, but he didn't trust Stalin either. Then he got sick, There wasn't much he could do about Stalin. Trotsky fled. Over a course of years, Stalin hunted him down and in 1940 had him assassinated. In a very gruesome way, had him hung on a meat hook, Mr. Producer. Um, Wasn't the only attempt on his life, but Lenin was no better than Stalin. Lenin believed you had to wipe out anybody who disagreed. Lenin believed that there needed to be a revisionism to truth and ethics and principles to comport with the party. The party was a monolith. There could be no opposition of any kind. Any opposition needed to be destroyed, violently if necessary. And so, economic socialism... Cultural Marxism had to be imposed on the people. And Lenin also talked about the people will not naturally gravitate towards socialism. They have their farms, they have their property, particularly the peasants, which is why they tried to wipe out the Ukrainian peasants. There's a history of Russia and its genocidal attacks on Ukraine. 1932, Stalin did exactly that. Millions and millions of Ukrainians were starved to death. The peasants would not embrace communalism. And as I said, Lenin said, no surprise there, we have to impose it on them. And that's what they do, and that's what they did. So this is very important to understand when you think about what goes on in this country. I'm not saying... Everybody's a Leninist or even understand what Lenin, Leninism means. But in their own bizarre way, they're collaborators. They don't have to understand what it means in order to promote it. They don't have to understand what it means in order to promote it. 
And so when you see these law school students at Stanford or Antifa at another university in California, a mob who want to harm people who have a different point of view, this is what Marxism, Leninism, Trotskyism, Maoism, this is what they all teach. Violence is perfectly acceptable. And that's why they're always violent. They can talk about January 6th all they want. I can talk about a hundred instances of the left being radical, violent. Because that's what they believe in. And you saw it all throughout the summer of 2020. And you saw it at Stanford. And you saw it at the University of California with Charlie. You know, it's interesting. When you write a book, you're asked to do book signings. I like to do book signings at four or five places. No more. It's become dangerous. I don't even know if I can do them again. If I do them, they're going to be few, and they're going to be at very specific locations that can be secured in the United States of America. Patriots are not welcome on the college and university campuses, yet we subsidize the loans, we subsidize the tenured professors, we subsidize the building of the facilities, we subsidize everything with our taxes, state taxes, federal taxes, but especially state taxes. And it's about damn time, at least with Republican legislatures and Republican governors, they do something about this. And now we're losing these government schools, the public schools, to the same elements. The same elements. These teachers are all tenured. They're tenured after a couple of years. So they can push the radicalism with very little consequence. Or no consequence. So it's moved from the colleges and universities to the lower grades where now our children are being indoctrinated in these various aspects of American Marxism. And of course the media, the corrupt media, most of these phony journalists and hosts, they come out of these institutions. Just like most of the teachers come out of the education departments of these colleges and universities, and they're among the most radical and Marxist of all. And if the journalists don't come out of journalism school and aren't taught by these crackpot journalism professors to give up objectivity and impartiality, or at least their pursuits, and to embrace activism, and I wrote all about it in Unfreedom of the Press, you can just check it out. Most of them come out of the Democrat Party, like fake tapper. Like George Stephanopoulos. Like Chuck Todd. Like scores of others of them. The Democrat Party. And the Democrat Party is the vessel through which all these movements funnel. And operate. You don't ever hear a Democrat speaking out against critical race theory. Name one. 
You don't ever hear a Democrat speaking out against ESG or DEI. Name one. Name one. You don't ever hear a Democrat speaking out against economic socialism and climate change as degrowth movements aim to destroy capitalism. Name one. There are none. Because they embrace it. And Joe Biden is the most radical president, not since FDR, including FDR. And he runs around pretending he's lunch bucket Joe. He's head case Joe. Mr. Moderate. Mr. Centrist. That's not true. He's never been moderate or centrist. He's either been a racist, anti-black racist, or an anti-white racist. And both of those have served his electoral purposes and his personal purposes and put him in a position to, uh, to receive enormous sums of money from the communist Chinese. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Did you know Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year when you switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? That's right. Save $900 a year on your wireless bill and still enjoy ultra-fast 5G service. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a fortune to woke corporations like Verizon, and AT&T or T-Mobile every month, cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company, and then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy, supporting a company that is veteran-owned and shares your values and that has you covered with a money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N podcast, Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. By the way, uh, I know we had to go fast, so I just want to mention Charlie Kirk and his great group again tpusa.com tpusa.com it's a great group he's a great guy and they do get out on these college campuses with ideas and so forth you can see how difficult it is it's just very very difficult we'll be right back he's here he's here now, broadcasting from, from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Now for something... Totally different. Mike Gunzelman is a good guy. He used to be, for years, right, Mr. Producer, our call screener? Mr. Call Screener. He wasn't the first, but he was nearly the first. And uh, he went on to bigger things. He's got his own thing going on at Outkick, which is a great site. 
very nice site. And uh, from time to time, radio and TV. But he's a really good guy. And he got an interview of Dana White, who is the head muckety-muck of uh, the UFC. And um, I thought this would be worth listening to. So I also want to say this. Hannity had on last night on his TV show. You know who he had on, Mr. Producer? Conor McGregor, one of my favorites. Here's the funny thing. I've been watching MMA for years and years and years. I used to watch it when they used to have these cage fights, as they called them, outside. In these, uh, they almost look like little league fields. But they had the stands and so forth, and a big, heavy, fat guy would fight a skinny guy. It just, it was, you know, it was kind of unregulated. Then it became more regulated. I still used to watch them. And then it became professional. And that's thanks in large part to Dana White. And I obsess with this. I can't watch the girls fight. I have to turn my head away for that, Mr. Producer. I, I don't get any interest out of that. Uh, it's not a sexist thing. I just don't like it. But when the guys fight, you know, I, that I like. And... Uh, I attribute this to, uh, I've always liked to watch people do things that I can't do. Like when they were building our house in Virginia, I would come by every, every two or three days to watch. Guys climbing on these poles, you know, and I'm going, holy, how do these guys do this? Or the brickwork and all the rest. and The electricians, I mean, how do they keep track of this stuff? Plumbers, everybody, just fantastic. Anyway, so I'm hooked on this, and I kind of turned Hannity onto it many, many years ago as well. And I didn't know that Conor McGregor watches some of the shows on Fox, including my Sunday show, Mr. Producer. So that was very cool. And he's a huge supporter of uh, Tunnel to Towers. And he gave a million-dollar check last night. He's given a total now of $5 million. I mean, these guys make a lot of money, but they tend to lose a lot of money very fast. Um, he's managed to really capitalize on, on his profession. He's a fantastic fighter. You know, people say, I, I really don't like the way he acts and so forth. Did you like the way Muhammad Ali acted as a bomb, boxer? You know, really exceptional people in their fields sometimes they're a bit eccentric doesn't bother me in the least anyway here's dana white on outkick with our man mike gunzelman tuesday cut 12 go and i'm doing a much bigger documentary about the media that 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 i'm putting together that i can't wait to put out where i'm calling people out by name by you know the publication that they work for the whole deal bringing the receipts baby oh i can't wait Trust me, this is this is a passion project for me. Um, but but one of the things I'll give you an example. My home newspaper, my local paper, the Las Vegas Review Journal, one of the mm-hmm. biggest pieces of newspapers in the country. Think about this. We make it through COVID. We do everything. Nobody gets hurt. Yada yada yada. We're doing. I said I wouldn't do a, a, a an event 
in any of the venues unless I could do a full event. So right. I was putting on the first event that was going to have a sold out packed stadium. But right. my local newspaper writes a story. The headline is 12,000 people are willing to die to watch a UFC event live. What it, what it tells you is weak, whiny, you know, terrified, uneducated, <laughs> you know, I could just go on for days about what that means. And, and that's the thing with most of these media guys. You have the weakest, wimpiest people on earth mm-hmm. trying to talk about and some dumbest. of the toughest, baddest sports on earth or, or, or whatever it might be. I could have listened to that a lot, lot longer. I want to thank Guns for uh, making that available to us. I was to play that. So you had Dana White on with Guns, and you had uh, McGregor on with Hannity. Who the hell am I going to get, Mr. Medusian? Whatever happened to Dan the Man? Remember him? Whatever happened to him? Did we ever find a number for him? I don't even know. I don't think we could. I'd love to have him on. Daniel Cormier. Or John Jones. He would be cool. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out for you, Mr. Producer. I don't know if you're able to actually do these things. It's a challenge, you know? I think you could do it. It's not like they're left-wing kooks. And by the way, I think John Jones... We have to admit is the greatest fighter ever. Um, he knocked some guy out in the or took him out before the first round was finished. I think it was two, three weeks ago. I paid my $79.95. <clears throat> Damn thing was over in less than five minutes. But I watch all the preliminaries, too. I, I really do get a kick out of it. I don't know how these people do it. They train and train and train and. They get hurt. I don't care how good they are. Break an ankle, hurt a knee, break a nose. Their ears, you know, they come out of there looking like Dumbo. It's unbelievable, these guys. The girls, I don't understand at all. I don't understand it at all. But the guy, it's unbelievable. And so this guy John Jones was fighting was big. He hadn't lost a fight. I mean, he looked like he could... But there's something about him. But I'm also a Cormier fan. I think he's terrific. I very much enjoy listening to his commentating. And uh, I think he's a patriot, too. By the way, most of these guys in MMA are conservative patriots. The vast majority are. Doesn't matter their race. Doesn't matter where they're from. They just are. And uh, that's kind of cool, too, to be honest with you. I'm sure one of these states, one of these days, will destroy it. They fought like hell because they couldn't get fights in the Madison Square Garden because of that crook speaker. What was his name? Sheldon something or other? Silver? Then he went to jail for something or other. And uh, I don't know if he's still around. He may have been uh, He may have been riffed by the big guy upstairs. I don't know. But I certainly do enjoy it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
Benjamin Hall, we meet again. How are you, my friend? Oh, I'm doing really well, Mark. Thank you. You must be exhausted. I mean, it's hard enough to write a book, but to promote it, and you have been nonstop. You have to admit, it's exhausting, isn't it? You know, it can be exhausting, but I'll tell you something else. I've spent a whole year recovering, yeah. uh, doing nothing but doctors and operations and physios and thinking. And all I've wanted to do was get out and start working and living and talking. So to be honest, this past week has been busy, but it's been a real breath of fresh air to be doing it again. Where did you get this positive mind? You are positive no matter what. Were you born with this? Do you have to work on it? What? It's funny. My, my wife was asked that last week, and she told everyone how annoying it was. Um, <laughs> like positive, positively optimistic. No, I, I have always been like this. I'm very lucky. You know, I was taught it by, I suppose, my parents. My father was very disciplined, uh, always taught me the nature of, and how important hard work was. And my mother was a real creative, you know, uh, artist who loved to experience new things and meet people and do lots of things. So I felt I grew up in a world where everything was possible. You should enjoy everything. You should work hard. And, um, you know, whenever anything bad happens to you, you've got to find the one bright spark and make the most of the good part of it. Now you say where, so I assume they're not with us or they are with us? No, they've passed away, I'm afraid. My mother died about four years ago. My father died last uh, January, and I flew straight from his funeral to Ukraine, where I was then uh, hit. And I, I think in many ways he was with me that day uh, and kept me alive. So, um, you know, I, 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 I think about him every day. And, uh, you know, sometimes I wish he was here to have helped me through this year. Other times I feel I'm pleased that he hasn't seen, you know, how difficult it's been. And you tell the story in your fantastic book, Saved, and we're going to link to it on all my social sites, it's Saved, a war reporter's mission to make it home. Now, you've seen Benjamin. I notice your wife calls you Benji, and you've seen Benjamin everywhere, but you ought to get his book, and you ought to read it, because no matter how many places he goes to, it's not the same as reading this book, that's for sure. And um, tell us about your father as well. Well, my, you know, my father was born and raised in uh, the Philippines, in Manila. And he was born just before the Second World War. And um, his father was Scottish. His mother was Spanish-Filipino. And the Japanese invaded when he was eight years old. And for four years, he was in a Japanese prison camp. His family were killed. And he eventually was released. And they lived for a couple of years in the bombed-out streets of Manila. And um, at the end, when General MacArthur came back in to free the Philippines, my father was living in the streets with his three younger siblings who were, you know, as young as ages of six. And um, he knew that the Japanese were killing everyone as they pulled back and that the only way to survive was to try, as someone told him, to find the American lines, get to the GIs who were coming in. And he did that. He took a group of kids and he ran through the bombed out streets. Sniper shot a little boy next to him until finally they reached the point in the city where the Americans were at the other end of the street and they were shouting at him to keep running, run to us, run to us. And he made it down that road. And he always told the story to me about being picked up into the arms of a GI uh, from the Buckeye Division, the Ohio National Guard. And he was pulled behind uh, a tank and he was rescued in an armored uh, vehicle. And he was rescued that day. And from there, he made his way to the U.S. himself. And uh, he went to college. He signed up and served for the U.S. Army in Korea. And, uh, you know, he was saved around the world by American GIs when he was in trouble. And he became the fiercest and proudest American ever. And I feel the same way. 
And about 77 years later, I was around the world, an American stuck in a war zone. And uh, I made it to Poland, and there was the U.S. military who opened their arms and got me into a Black Hawk and saved me too. And so, you know, I talk about it in the book. There is this incredible similarity. We come from a family of proud Americans that has been saved around the world by incredible forces. Um, and so that's something I feel incredibly strongly about. And I was so lucky then to spend five months on a military base in San Antonio, Texas, recovering with incredible military doctors who knew all about the wounds and the injuries that I had received when I was blown up, uh, putting my prosthetics on, teaching me how to walk. And I felt that for the first time, having covered conflict for so many years, I finally felt I was inside the military and I lived with them for five months. And uh, it's uh, sort of really brought out some incredible feelings in myself. You know, uh, Benjamin, I was thinking you've been asked an awful lot of questions, people who've read your book by a lot of very good hosts. And what can I ask you that would be different than these other people? We know what you went through and so forth and so on. But one thing I don't know about is you, t you talk publicly, but it's in your book about the months of rehabilitation and so forth and so on. Can you tell us about the pain you experienced? I mean, you lost a leg, your eye was severely wounded, you had shrapnel in your throat and so forth. Yeah, yeah, uh, my left foot as well and burned all down, and your down my legs. Um, yeah. And the thumb torn off, really. And um, so, no, very serious injuries. And I, um, after the initial life-saving operations in a very small Ukrainian field hospital, um, that was the last time I got pain meds. And the evacuation from there to Poland was uh, took about 10 hours. We got out covert way on the, with the Polish prime minister. But those 10 hours, I felt some of the worst pain that I've ever felt. And it grew on me and it, it just kept growing. And um, I reached points, immense pain down in my, in my stump and where the burns were um, that took over my whole body that made me just shake. And what I found out was that when it, when it almost became too bad, when I didn't think I could take it, I, could, I would stop and I would say to myself, you, you've got to put those feelings away. You've got to focus on getting out of here. You've got to focus on survival. And I, I found, um, I was amazed that I found another level where sometimes I could grab hold of the pain and I could put it away. And I could say, it doesn't matter right now. You've got to see past it. You've got to see past it. And I did that time and time again over the next five months. There were some awful days after operations and I was trying to come off the pain meds as quickly as I could because I didn't want to be on them and there was a constant battle between being on the pain meds but having a really cloudy mind or being off the pain meds and feeling pain and um, I was always trying to find that balance to as much pain that I could handle before I needed some help and um, it was you know it's really difficult and you learn a lot about yourself you learn how much you can handle about how far you can go you learn how powerful the mind can be to control some physical emotions and look it's a small example but if you like go and knock your you know let's say you you knock your, your toe on the wall one day and the first second it, it might hurt just think to yourself it's not bad it's fine it won't hurt forever it'll go away and you will be amazed at how strong your mind can be to just keep moving keep keep living put those things to the back of your mind ignore them of course, uh, you've talked about thinking of your daughters uh, when the attack occurred, thinking of your family, your wife. Um, do you ever wonder why you, out of the five, you were the only one who survived? Yeah, I do. I think about that moment a lot. And uh, I was sitting in the death seat. I mean, I was in the middle seat on the back row of that car. 
I mean, the, the most likely to be killed. And um, somehow I'm the one that survived. And I do think that I was saved that day. I, I, I do think that, you know, I do think that wasn't my time to go. And I think maybe God thinks that I hope I can be able to do, I I feel that I have to do better things in the future, that I've got to take whatever amazing miracle that was. I don't think about it too much, but I know I've got to do the most in my life. I've got to go and help wherever I can. I've got to try and make sure I don't waste the second that's left. Um, Do I I wonder why it was me? Not specifically. I know I was saved. But I don't ask why me and why not the others. Sasha, our fixer, mm-hmm. was 23 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so uh, I just count my blessings. I, I'm so grateful for it, and I pray do for you, it. Do you, do you think about them a lot? Um, I think about, yeah, every single day. Every single mm-hmm. day. And um, I think back to that moment where I was lying on the ground, We'd been hit, the car, the three were gone, and Pierre was, was still alive. At first. Can you, so can you stick back. with me for one more segment? Yes, of course. All right, we're going to go through a break here. The book is Saved, A War Reporter's Mission to Make It Home. I strongly encourage you to get on Amazon right now. We're going to post it on all my social sites. In fact, it's already there. You can get it at any major bookstore. Uh, actually, it's a very, very inspirational book. We'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Mark Levin, the funder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. The book is Saved a War Reporter's Mission to Make It Home by Benjamin Hall, a war correspondent who was brutally injured, almost died in Ukraine. And uh, let me ask you this, Benjamin. Again, people can read this in the book. So the first... Is it a missile that they shot? Somebody shot a missile from, I guess, a shoulder? One of those devices? No, we're, to be honest, not entirely sure what was fired. There were three, um, three explosions. We thought at first it was a drone, and um, Pierre was lying there afterwards next to me, and we were injured, and he kept saying, don't move Russian drones. But it could have been uh, uh, artillery as well. And we are talking to the Ukrainians at the moment to, to try and get intelligence on exactly which Russian positions were in the area. Um, but we're not entirely sure. But there were three, three um, bombs, three blasts, and uh, the third, they got closer to the car, and the third one finally hit the car itself. 
But they were very accurate. So you figure they were relatively close or no? Well, it, it was an abandoned village and we had to slow down at this checkpoint. Um, no one there, but um, we think that maybe there was either artillery looking from miles away. They were waiting for the car to pass this one spot because they knew the car would slow down to a stop to get around this checkpoint. So it was a much easier target. So we think they may have just been, been watching, waiting. And we were in a small civilian car. There was suddenly no, uh, no sign of any military move, press. Well, the more I read, and you must have seen this, and Trey Yinkst writes about this, mm. the horrors, the decapitated bodies, the burned bodies, the crushed faces, the gang-raped women. Did you see these things, too? Um, no, not in person on this war. Um, mm-hmm. um you know, I saw some of the morgues, I saw some of the, some of the dead. I, I have seen those things in other wars. I've been to plenty of them, and I've seen a lot of them up close, but uh, no, not in Ukraine. And um, apparently the, the kind of uh, genocidal activity taking place against the Ukrainian people is apparently pretty bad. Um, there's video yeah, I, of this. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, and I, I've spoken to many people. You know, people from the east who uh, who are fleeing. I spoke to thousands of them, well, hundreds of them who came west, and um, we heard those stories as well. And certainly, you see the mass graves uh, which we've seen, and you hear these stories, and you do see the images, and it is indiscriminate. There's no doubt about that. There's certainly no care for aiming for military targets, and um, if it was their way, and we've seen Putin do it before in Grozny, we've seen him do it, you know, in Donbass, uh, in Georgia. So we do know that. That's often how they attack. You know, one of the things is it's very difficult to show that kind of video, excuse me, on commercial television, whether it's a network or cable or that sort of thing. And I think in some ways, in that respect, the public is, is not getting a sense for how brutal this is. You know, they can look at buildings and so forth and God knows a man like you puts his life on the line to tell the public what's going on. But sometimes, you know, it's like after the Holocaust, when you look at the bodies and the graves and how people were brutalized and tortured and so forth, people say, oh, I didn't know that was happening. But it is happening. And, and how, how can that get conveyed? Well, I know... It's interesting. We've seen all the videos. So what you were, the description you were saying, I've seen those on video. I see a lot of those coming out. Um, I, I think you've got to be, you know, and you've got to be, have a lot of faith in the journalists and, and, and know who you trust and who has done the best work. And I think that's for us to go and see some of that horror and see the videos of that horror in this case. And, and um, you know, I think there's a fair amount of profiling that can happen online. So you can you can GPS exactly with uh, landscape and buildings and street signs. And you can go in. There are companies that go in now and can pinpoint exactly where a video is filmed. So you may not have to see that video, but there are teams making sure that that is a precise corner of a, of a village, you know, in the east. So it's not just a random sense of here's a horrible video. You know, people take a lot of time and effort to pinpoint exactly where that was, find recent pictures, you know, so you know when it happened. 
Um, um, but yeah, I mean, you, let me you're ask right. you this: these, yeah. these casualties or these injuries that you had—missing leg, part of your leg, then a missing foot, your hand is semi-functional or not at all, your eye. You have to struggle with this every day now, don't you? I mean, to have a a full life with your family, and your family has to cope with it too. Yep, and our routine has changed as a result. And at the moment, I know how much I can do. I can walk for 20 minutes on a good day, and then I have to take my legs off. I've got bone growth in my what's left in my left foot that are uh, incredibly painful, so I can walk so far, and then I have to take that off for a little bit. But that's about scheduling. That's about knowing what I can do, how much I can do it. It's about planning days in advance. If I have something big lined up, I will be. I won't do as much the day before, and I expect to be able to do everything I used to be able to do. So that's why I, I, it doesn't worry me. I know it's a transition we're going through, and it may take a couple of years to get to that spot. But I can move around. I can see mm-hmm. through my one eye. I can think and I can hear out of one ear because the other one's gone. But um, you know, I, I'm here. And I feel greatly optimistic by that. And what is it that you want to return to do? Well, you know, one thing I've been thinking about recently is that I've spent 15 years covering wars. I've told the horrors, and I've seen them up close and in person. That's what my job has been. And I feel so inspired by the people, the heroes who came to help me. The good, the uplifting, exceptional. And I, first of all, I want to go and tell stories about them. I think things that bring people together. It's, you know, it's American exceptionalism. The people who risk their own lives to come in and get me, you know, former U.S. military, the, the doctors who spend days and weeks over you, the, our viewers and our audience, thousands of whom reached out with kind notes and encouraging notes. Like, that is so much strength and positivity. And I don't look at what's happened to me, and I, I don't see the horror. I don't see the injuries. I see the good that pulled me through. And, and I want to tell those stories. I, I, at first, I want to talk about these incredible people. Talk just about, you know, you look around at any news stories. You look at towns or cities or villages or whatever that have been hit hard. Take Ohio, for example. I want to go find the leaders in those communities who pull the community together, who make them strong again, who says, together we can do this. We can do it well. Those are stories I want to start telling. Um, and so that's my initial plan, I think. Um, look for those. And I suppose Fox is going to want you to do that anyway, right? They'll help you out with that, I assume. Could yeah, be very um, interesting. Yes, uh, we're, we're talking to them. I've, I've got a number of operations coming up, so I'm already talking to them about in-between operations, how, how much filming can I do. So I'll go out, I'll film for a few weeks, then I'll have a couple operations, be off my feet for a, you know, a few weeks, then oh, I'll oh. go back out and film and so, you know, uh, Fox have been amazing. The whole company has been amazing. We will work around my recovery uh, and be able to do as much as I can. You are truly remarkable. And I know everybody listening thinks that and believes that, particularly people who may be in your situation. You know, people who have had horrific accidents or have been to war um, or people who were born a certain way and they have to struggle. Yeah, this this book in many ways is for them, isn't it? It is. It's totally for them. And the the messages I get online now from people who have read the book, uh, they reach out and they open up and they tell me, you know, I've had these surgeries or I had this experience or I've lost my son or um, and I have been absolutely amazed at how 
sharing how you feel allows other people to share back. And um, if I have found that sharing how I feel to be really helpful, really useful to me. And I've, what I've found is that it's encouraging others around me to reach out and, and, and tell me a little bit about them as well. And so if that is positive, if that helps other people, then I mean, hopefully then that, that is what I would like to be doing in, in the future is helping others and they can help me as well. You know, we work together. Now, I'm not trying to pry, but did you pray to God? Did you say, God, please get me through this, that sort of thing? I, I, I prayed when I was on the floor, when I was injured. For 40 minutes, no one knew we were hit. I had no cell reception. I couldn't, you know, I didn't know what to do. And when you take everything away and you're lying there and I had nothing at all, that's where you go. And I just, one thing, I said, Lord, I said, please take me home. Please get me home to my family, please. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where I went. And, um, you know, and uh, that's, that's, you know, that's just what, where it comes out when everything else is gone. That's that comfort. Well, I got to imagine you're exhausted. Uh, uh, going through the uh, the hoops of, of interviews and so forth, but it's made a difference. People are hearing what you have to so. say, and you have very important things to say. You've been through hell, and you've come through it, and that is a, uh, you know, people, people want to see people who get through hell and so forth because they look at their own lives, and what you're saying is, for most of us, I think, you haven't been through this, and if I can get through this, yes. you can get through anything. Right. No, I know, but you know, I always wondered, and I've covered wars, and I saw people, you know, going through horrific things, and I always wondered how would I, how would I go through it? What would I be like? And I honestly think that everyone, when you have to, and there's no other option but to do it, we can do it. All of us can do it. You've all got that strength. Everyone's got that strength inside them. You find there's no choice. It's that, or it's the, or it's the bad way. And um, I know inside all of us, if you look for it, and you find something hard to work for, and a reason to work for, and you look for something, something positive and glorious around you and focus on that and enjoy that we've all got it we can all do it remarkable i hope to meet you one day i feel like i know you believe it or not uh this is a a fantastic gentleman benjamin hall the book is saved a war reporter's mission to make it home He, he, he takes you through it step by step the hell and all the rest but he also takes you through in family recovery how inspiring inspiring uh, this book is and he is and i want to strongly encourage you grab your copy of saved you can get it on amazon.com right now or any major bookstore and i want to thank you so much for your reporting and for this book and i i wish you all the best in your family too thank you mark i look forward to meeting you person as well god bless you my friend what a remarkable young man. He's got three girls. Don't you think, Rich? Unbelievable. He, he's phenomenal. Really phenomenal. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Remarkable, isn't he? Remarkable. The book is saved. I want to encourage you to get it. He's a remarkable young man. This discussion and my discussion with him on my Sunday show really doesn't provide uh, 
the extent of information about what took place and his inspiration, his message is inspirational. I mean, this happened to him a little over a year ago. And there he is. Unbelievable. Well, Mr. Producer, do we have any regular or irregular Americans online, please? Duluth, Minnesota, as opposed to Duluth, Georgia. Paul, how are you in Minnesota? Good evening, Mr. Levin. Thank you. You can call me Mark. I called the way in the other night on, on, the, on the train stuff. Yeah. Because I've yeah. been on the railroad for 30 years. Really? But my friends at work said that, hey, this other story. I have a button that a friend yeah. gave me. And it's, uh, you know, it starts with F and ends with B. Whatnot. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. My, my wife says that doesn't make a difference. And I says, I beg to differ. We were coming back from a snowstorm, and we stopped at this restaurant. And this young man came up to me as I'm gathering my condiments. And he said, hey, mister, nice pin. And I says, well, thank you, young man. He says, well, we're being taught that we cannot even say that at school anymore. And it just broke my heart. And this young man was in junior high. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it'll work for it, and he's being taught that up here, and it's it's just insane. Minnesota's a tough state. It's a tough state politically, and it's cold as can be. I don't know how people yeah, live there, to be perfectly no, honest with you. No offense. <laughs> you know, the only people that were there was these young people. And how they yeah. made it there, we were surprised they were open. But for him to pick that out of... Out of Isn't that out great? Of, now, that, now you tell your wife, see, that's why I wear it. And right? I told her, I says, if it doesn't make a difference, it really does. It does. And I want to thank you, my friend, for calling. It's cold there. Goodness gracious. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers. Thank you. The men and women in Ukraine and Taiwan, the freedom fighters. I want to thank you, too. And most of all, you red-blooded Yanks, Americans, fellow conservatives. 